0: This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. I will be gone for a few days so others will cover for me. I would not call it a vacation but an adventure. My wife and I are taking a trip south, tracking where my great-great-uncles fought with Grant and Sherman in the Civil War. I had three uncles serving with the 76th Illinois Infantry at Vicksburg, our first stop. Another uncle fought with the 88th Illinois Infantry, the Chicago Border Trade Regiment, at the Battles of Franklin, Chickamauga, and in the Atlanta Campaign. I'm having tour guides place me where they stood. The trip starts in Dallas and ends in Atlanta, also visiting friends along the way. I wanted to share a transcription from Peter Zian why China won't be receiving any more Russian oil. In the world before globalization, World War II and before, there was little trading as what existed was basically an imperial government system with the rest of the world for markets and for resources. We had hundreds, really thousands, of different separate local economic systems, and you could only source materials from within your own geography. If you didn't have oil, you didn't end up industrializing. If you didn't have food, your population was really low. Globalization made the world safe for everyone. Any sort of international economic exchange, regardless of what it was, could happen, and the U.S. Navy ensured that it could happen on the high seas without a military escort. That was kind of the whole basis of it. All of these little to spark parts started amalgamating eventually into one total global whole by the time we get to the 1990s. When you are in a bigger pool like that, everyone specializes and everyone adds value. You get diversification of production. You get better bulk of production. Also, you get a lower cost of production. It works in every economic sector, whether it is energy or agriculture or finance. It is that diversification and that volume that is the world we understand the world we have been in since the 1990s, and it's the most atypical period in human history. What is going on now, part with the Ukrainian war, part with nationalism, part with terrorists, whether it's from Biden or Trump, it all takes us to the same place. It breaks up that global whole. As you do that, you lose all those synergies and all those economics of scale, and we feel that as shortages and inflation. What we're going through right now, even if nothing else plays in this, is kind of our new norm for the next several years until we adapt to whatever. It really depends upon what your local geography of trades ends up being. On the positive side, look at North America. The United States is the best demographic structure in the world, the most stable capital structure in the world. It's the home of the global currency. Mexico is the best demography in the advanced developed world. We've got a first-rate manufacturing system, and we're the largest producer of food and energy products. Even if North America is 100% on its own, we're probably only looking at about 10 to 15% drawback. That's our entire import and export portfolio outside of North America. De-globalization is awkward to adjust to, particularly in manufacturing, but it's totally doable. Unlike China, where 85% of their energy comes from someone else, Ninety percent of the inputs that go into their agriculture sector come from somewhere else. About half of the raw material inputs that go into the manufacturing goods come from somewhere else. The medium and high quality components in that all come from somewhere else, and their export market is how they employ their population. If you deglobalize the Chinese economy, you're talking about a reversion to pre-industrial standards of living. That can happen surprisingly quickly because all the inputs they are responsible for manufacturing are similar to the ones that are responsible for keeping people alive. If something happens to agriculture or energy markets, that is the end of the People's Republic in China as a significant power. The crude that comes from Russia to China is not the normal stuff to see on international markets. It's all from eastern Siberia and the Russians don't know how to operate any of those fields. That's beyond them, technologically. All the production that ends up in China is actually dependent upon Shell and Halliburton and the rest, and they have now all left Russia. We're going to get an interesting real-world experience in how fast the most technically advanced fields in the world can fall offline because of lack of technical skill. Whether that will be this year or that will be next year, we don't know. This is the end of China's ability to get Russian oil, not the beginning. New supply chains for the global economy are not in place yet, but on the back end, we should see a more stable system with shorter steps that is more economically viable, that employs more North American workers, that is closer to home, that is cheaper to operate. These are all good things. Someone needs to share that news. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110.